Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, September 9th, 2022 edition of On Iowa Politics. Happy 9-9 day to all my Brooklyn 99 fans who celebrate. This week on the podcast, campaign ad wars, U.S. Senate Republicans' unity issues, train trials, and Iowa's attorney general candidates' quote-unquote debate. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. With me today are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough. Good morning, Caleb. Good morning, Aaron. And I might point out that I just consecutively announced Iowa State and then Iowa football fans. Is that accurate, gentlemen? Yes. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> no reason in particular that I point that out. Uh, also, here is Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Sarah, and please identify your college football fandom. Hawkeyes. I'm an Iowa grad. All right. Jared McNed of the Sioux City Journal is also here. Good morning, Jared. Where do your allegiances lie? Nowhere. I don't care about college football at all. It is inferior. Why would I watch an inferior product to pro football? There's no reason. Oh. Well, they're not oh, on the same sure. day. You can so, watch it. Yeah, so what? I'm going to spend my Saturday doing anything more enjoyable, literally anything, <laughs> than watching college football. Oh, oh man, man, the kicker missed another field goal. <laughs> oh, gee, oh, geez. Wow, this is this is exciting. So, oh, so Army's couple- running the triple option again. Oh, man. So a couple weeks ago, I'm upset the Bush Light crowd, and now Jared's upset in the college football crowd. We're gonna have oh, no, they can send no me listeners. all the emails they want. It's- We're gonna have no listeners by the end of this month. <laughs> all right. Well, and everybody who follows me on Twitter knows that I'm a Badger fan, so I don't uh, have any dog in this fight this weekend either. So anyway, to the actual agenda. First up this week, they say all politics is local. And elected officials in the Quad Cities are being reminded of that as they are being lobbied by folks on both sides of a debate over a proposed merger between two railroad companies. The Federal Surface Transportation Board must ultimately decide whether to approve a proposed merger between Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern. And Quad Cities residents are asking their elected officials to pick a side. Uh, Speaking of which, Sarah, let's back up. Real quick, what exactly are the two sides to the debate? What are the pros and cons that folks are espousing? And are any of those elected officials uh, jumping into the fray? Yeah, so um, I guess, yeah, most people in the Quad Cities aren't exactly excited about more train traffic running through the Quad Cities. Essentially, Canadian Pacific and uh, and Kansas City Southern are two North American rail companies that want to merge to form a single line rail system connecting Mexico, the United States, and Canada. And they expect that to attract a large amount of freight traffic from trucks and will increase the amount of trains running through the Iowa Quad Cities running through the riverfront from eight trains a day to about 22 trains a day by 2025. And so um, a lot of Davenport's economic activity revolves around the riverfront. And so uh, we're very concerned about the economic impacts, the impacts to residents along the riverfront. Um, And so Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern need to go through the Surface Transportation Board, which is a federal board, um, to get approval for this merger. And um, in an effort to kind of mitigate some concerns. Uh, they started negotiations with several river towns. So Davenport, Bettendorf, and Muscatine, and LeClaire all um, negotiated with Canadian Pacific and came away with millions of dollars um, to be paid to them for by Canadian Pacific in order to 
um, build quiet zones so trains don't have to blow their horns and uh, in exchange for not commenting on the merger not commenting negatively um, is really the the goal there. So um, several residents, though, who live along the riverfront, um, who are, are residents of smaller cities that maybe didn't get agreements in the millions or get offered in the millions, are um, are really looking to our U.S. senators and their and their local officials to. Uh, put together some kind of campaign to try to lobby the surface transportation board to oppose this merger and, uh, and keep the riverfront life f- at least have fewer trains than, than 22 a day. Um, and their main concerns are that there is a greater chance of derailments, greater chance of uh, blocked access from the riverfront um, and that maybe there'd be fewer uh, fewer events or things downtown that people would want to go go to the riverfront for. And obviously there are also residences and things. And so the Quad Cities would really bear the brunt of this merger. Um, and the cities, with the power of the railroads, the city, I don't think any of the cities are for the merger necessarily, but they do see the power of the railroads and think that, you know, the risk of going, of opposing the merger, of not taking money from Canadian Pacific and saying essentially, okay, if the merger goes through, we have a backup plan. We have this money from Canadian Pacific to build an overpass so that people can get over get over the riverfront and still access it. Um, and if we oppose, if we don't take the money, if we don't oppose, if we don't take the money, if we do oppose the merger, we um, we could possibly end up with nothing and no money to make any kind of improvements. So those are kind of the the sides of of everything. And so some residents. Uh, particularly of Princeton, of Comanche, of the city of Washington, Iowa, also is going to see a big increase in trains. Um, uh, rebuffed some offers from Canadian Pacific in the like hundreds of thousands of range, and um, really are trying to lobby the the Surface Transportation Board to not approve this merger to come through. But um, so at least some residents of the Quad Cities are. Um, are, we're wishing that maybe some some of the city officials would would further stand up to to the merger and try to use their resources to to prevent this from happening. So far, yep. I've reached out to the to our senators and representatives, and so far um, they are monitoring the the, yeah. the deal. And obviously, they don't have a vote on it; it's the Surface Transportation Board's decision. But um, a few representatives and senators in federal U.S. representatives and senators in Illinois have um, joined with residents in, in opposing the merger. So Senator Dick Durbin um, and a couple of uh, Congress people. Yeah, that's a good clarification there that they don't have a vote. They're just being asked to kind of advocate on behalf of these people who don't want that. Correct. To happen, right? yeah. yeah. Correct. More broadly, I would just note that, you know, as that's happening, we could see a railroad worker strike as early as uh, next Friday because uh, one of the things at issue there is that rail union folks have a problem with that prospective raises they would get over the next five years in a new contract are being offset by healthcare cost increases. And then there's been disputes about sick leave policy too. So there's kind of a discordance between merger talk in the industry at the same time, there's this inability to close on these kinds of uh, labor negotiations. So a lot happening with the railroads around here. Definitely. That's really interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, super interesting. And, and it'll obviously be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. I just, I'm fascinated by the, the and you talked about this there, the whole, the the, the donations or, or, or the, the whatever you call them, the subsidies with the uh, um, understanding that, hey, if we give you this money, you won't speak out. It's, it's, it just feels so much like saying the quiet part out loud that like this is, here, we're giving you money, local official, Please do this exact thing that we want you to do with it. I, I thought that supposed stuff is supposed to take place in back uh, door rooms full of cigar smoke, and and to know that we're we're just making those public now. That like that that's amazing to me. Yeah, and that's what the Surface Transportation Board apparently encourages the railroad to do is to negotiate directly with with cities. Yeah, okay. But um, yeah. the other thing yeah. I should note is that on actually the reason I wanted to talk about this was because on uh, Tuesday, there's going to be a public meeting in Davenport. The Surface Transportation Board is having one 6 p.m. on uh, September 13th, and they're having only about five or six um, public meetings nationwide. And so Davenport is one of those locations. There you go. Very interesting. So we'll know what happened at that one and maybe talk about that next week. All right. We jumped the tracks now. Uh, see what I did there and move on to our next topic, which is about a little bit of infighting among U.S. Senate Republicans, maybe. According to some national reports, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky and U.S. Senator Rick Scott of Florida, who is the leader of the Senate Republicans campaign arm, have not been 100 percent seeing eye to eye lately. Part of that reason may be because national forecasters have recently moved their projections for control of the Senate coming out of this fall's election in Democrats' favor in no small part due to some GOP candidates struggling in states like Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Uh, forgive me, I, my, my script messed up on here, uh, here but um, Caleb, I wanted to ask you, um, you talked to Senator Grassley about this a little bit uh, this week, and uh, as soon as we're done recording here, uh, on Friday, you're going to jump on to a conference call with Senator Scott, who is coming to Iowa to campaign for and with uh, Senator Grassley. Um, what's Senator Grassley's thoughts on all this? And it, did he sound worried that uh, Senate Republicans aren't kind of marching in, in step here as they try to earn back the majority in that body? Yeah. So to set the background here, um, last month, Mitch McConnell said he thinks it's more likely Republicans flip the House than the Senate. And he said, uh, quote, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome, um, which seemed to be a dig at some of the candidates in various states. And you can speculate on who he was talking about. Um, but the states you mentioned, Aaron, are, are places where um, Republicans aren't, aren't doing as well as they maybe were at the beginning of the summer. Um and then last week, Rick Scott wrote an op-ed where he said Republicans that trash talk their candidates are treasonous to the conservative cause. Um, he denies that this was aimed at McConnell. He said it was aimed at um, people Republicans giving anonymous quotes in uh, the New York Times and Washington Post. But uh, he at least uh, has said that there's a, a bit of a disagreement between him and McConnell there. But, um, you know, I think the uh, Senate Republicans are trying to... Uh, clean up that and just kind of get get their message focused on on winning the Senate. And um, that's a lot of background for about two sentences from Grassley on the issue. Um, I asked him about it on Wednesday and he said, you know, he thinks Republicans have great candidates everywhere and that he's confident they'll win back the Senate. Um, and then on the division, he said, uh, you know, Senate Republicans need to be on the same team in order for that to happen. 
and he, you know, kind of that that they cut it cut it off there, but that kind of implies what others are are saying that you know this feuding is just a distraction from their goal of of taking back the Senate in November. Um, and then Aaron, as you mentioned, to bring this all full circle, Rick Scott will be here in Iowa on Saturday to com- campaign at an event hosted by Marionette Miller Meeks, um, a member of the House. But uh, Chuck Grassley will be there, um, and he, of course, faces Democratic challenger Mike Franken. Um, and while it looks closer than elections he's run in the past, Iowa is not one of the states that um, national Republicans seem to be worried about. And uh, Rick Scott's NRSC isn't really dumping money into it like in states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Um, so that's kind of the, the lay of the land there and what uh, Chuck Grassley had to say about their, uh, their goals to bring back or to win back the Senate for Republicans. Yeah, so, so, so it sounds like, and much to uh, Senator Scott's delight, I'm sure Senator Grassley gave the company line. They, they preaching the unity, and it's not a big deal, and we'll be fine, and let's all march and step together here. Yeah, he wasn't too revealing about, um, you know, whether he saw this as a big issue or, or yeah. whether he agreed with Mitch McConnell. I mean, he said he didn't. He said, he, you know, he thinks that they have great candidates. But, yeah, it was, it was pretty standard uh, standard line there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It'll be interesting to, if, if uh, Senator Scott has anything interesting to say while he's around. Uh, staying with that Senate campaign, but turning now to your preferred viewing screen, Grassley has been on the offensive in his recent campaign ads, which have presented criticisms of Democratic challenger Mike Franken's campaign trail comments on small rural Iowa communities and about his time in the U.S. Navy. Uh, I'm not going to delve deep into the comments because that would require so much background uh, context. We'd need a second episode here, uh, but our team has reported on those ads. So so check uh, out those stories for all that info on what Mike Franken has said on the campaign and why Chuck Grassley is going after it. Um, meantime, Jared, let, let me ask you, um, the, the content of them aside, uh, these are some awfully pointed criticisms offered by Senator Grassley, uh, always trying to read in between the lines and read the tea leaves here. Uh, do we interpret this as a sign that the Grassley campaign believes it is in a truly competitive uh, election campaign, or, or is this simply the senator doing his due campaign diligence, regardless of whether he feels like he's five or 50 points ahead? I think maybe uh, Senator Grassley had um, rum raisin when he last made an ice cream run, and so he's you know he's feeling a little bit more feisty. Um, <laughs> I, I I think it could be a melding of those two things you mentioned, um, Aaron. That Grassley and the campaign both they're doing their due diligence because this for now doesn't quite have the feel of a total walkover for them. So you know you have to dot every I and cross every T. Um, the odds obviously do still seem to be in their favor, but you know Franken is trying to make it as competitive as possible, and they don't want to have any slip-ups where they don't really need to have slip-ups. And it, you know, it's an easy thing to make hay out of too, especially in a in a thirty-second spot where the the full clips have been majorly trimmed. Um, but yeah, the the kernel of what Franken is getting at, you know, about the degradation of a lot of small towns in Iowa and elsewhere over decades. That's not something he alone has said. You know, Trump had talking points about small towns that weren't too dissimilar. He talked about NAFTA destroying towns and, you know, Grassley, along with another a number of Democrats and Republicans, voted for NAFTA way back when. But n- none of that is really something you can make a point of in a single quote or a single clip 
or you know a single article or even uh, in one uh, segment of a podcast you you can't <laughs> you can't really get historical when it's electoral season <laughs> yeah that's a good point and and i i agree um that 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 it's it, it is an issue and and you know i see what the grass campaign is trying to do and oh yeah um maybe the mistake is franken kind of singled out all community by referencing Senator Grassley's community versus speaking yeah. in more broad terms where they might not have been able to cut that attack ad. Yeah. And th- that, that is definitely the thing, right? Is like the clear intent is like to make uh Franken look out of touch, which you do is very easy to do with a, a clip like that when you frame it in the context of a political ad. Yeah. I was just going to add that, um, you know, the reason why we're seeing these attack lines from the Grassley campaign is because, um, Democrats um, have um, repeatedly pointed to um, Franken's um, rural upbringing and his his, his rural background um, and his military record and his military service, um, saying that you know on 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 paper um, you know he's um, you know for lack of a better word kind of the ideal candidate to go up against somebody like um, Chuck Grassley. And, um, you know, I, I spoke to um, quite a few voters and supporters of Franken at, um, at some of his recent um, campaign events, including here in, in Cedar Rapids, and um, talked to voters who um, um, backed uh, former um, or Democratic former Iowa Congresswoman Abby Finkenauer um, in her congressional campaigns um, but ended up voting for Franken in the primary because um, they 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 didn't see um, Finkenauer being able to. Um, they, they said that they felt that, um, that that Abby Finkenauer fit her district right um, and was a good candidate for the congressional seat, um, but didn't necessarily know that she didn't or didn't necessarily think that she was going to be um, a competitive statewide candidate um, who could um, attract rural voters and and could attract some of maybe moderate Republicans and independents. Um, like Franken, who are drawn to, again, his military um, um, service and record and his, and his rural background. So that's why we're seeing these attack ads. It's the, it's the classic uh, political campaign thing of uh, attacking someone's uh, strength or so what they tout as their strength. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, staying uh, on the campaign ad front, but moving over to the House, Republican incumbent Congresswoman Ashley Hinson unveiled her first campaign ad of the general election. The ad was veterans-themed, and uh, sidebar, it honestly felt like a slight, felt to me anyways, like a slight upset that the ad wasn't about transgender school policy, uh, given how much we've heard about that from the Hinson campaign uh, in recent weeks. Uh, But they went with the veterans theme, um, and that ad drew some criticism, um, naturally, from the campaign of Democratic challenger Liz Mathis. Uh, again, the full backstory here requires a lot of context about bills and different versions and votes taken. Uh, so, Tom, we won't make you go into all the excruciating details of that, but but this ad did sort of set off a, a she said, she said about support for veterans' causes, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, so the ad that um, uh, uh, the Henson campaign um, launched features uh, a local veteran that um, Ashley Henson's campaign said that she's partnered with in her efforts to expand um, mental health services for veterans. Um, 
and um, uh, this um, this veteran, uh, you know, goes on to thank Ashley Hinton for her work pushing legislation to expand access to mental health care services for veterans in rural areas. Um, at, at, at first glance, the ad seemed, I guess, a little perplexing to me um, because um, the, the piece of legislation that is being touted in it um, is one that um, was sponsored by um, Iowa Democratic U.S. Representative Cindy Axney, um, but the the uh, was co-sponsored by Ashley Henson and, uh, and and the rest of Iowa's congressional delegation. Um, and the Henson campaign is is making the argument that um, that she um, has has worked across the aisle. That um, you know she's been willing to work with Democrats on um, bipartisan measures um, that. Um, uh, supports veterans um, and and um, you know um, tries to provide them more services resources, um, especially for those veterans who um, are struggling with um, PTSD um, and uh, and um, uh, you know mental health challenges. Um, uh, Democratic challenger Liz Mathis um, shot back um, in. Um, recent interviews with reporters and at um, a recent campaign rally um, criticizing Henson about touting her support for veterans while noting the first-term Republican incumbent voted against a House bill that would have expanded health care benefits to veterans exposed to toxic burn pits and other hazardous hazardous substances during their their military service. Um, While Henson did vote against um, the bill that originated in the House, she voted for the U.S. Senate, excuse me, the U.S. Senate version of the bill, um, which passed and, and became law. Um, you know, uh, Democrats um, have also pointed out that um, Henson voted against a, a House-passed bill that would automatically enroll eligible veterans in the VA healthcare system as they transition out of the military. Um, the the bill's backers, including some veteran service organizations, say that. That legislation would um, uh, easing the transition into the VA um, would go a long way toward preventing uh, veteran suicides. Um, Henson and, and, and other House Republicans have argued that the cost and impact of the changes have not been fully addressed, and that implementing it, implementing it, and, and adding thousands of new names to the VA medical system could strain operations. So those those have been kind of the attacks on the criticisms um, from from Liz Mathis and Democrats about um, the Henson ad. Yeah, and then just to kind of tie an interesting bow on this, uh, we just got uh, notice uh, earlier today uh, that uh, next week uh, Congresswoman Henson will be touring a VA facility here in Iowa with uh, U.S. VA and I'm sorry, is it Secretary or Director, whatever the the official title is. Secretary. Yes, th- thank you, Secretary. Uh, and and uh, and forgive me again on the name. It's Dennis. Anybody? I was trying to get to the email quickly here. Uh, Dennis McDonough. I didn't. I didn't want to get that wrong. That's right. Um, so so that's kind of interesting, right? We have the, the Republican Congresswoman uh, joining uh, the Democratic administration's uh, VA Secretary um, uh, uh, next week. So uh, maybe off camera they'll talk about. Uh, these bills <laughs> and, uh, and and the congresswoman's varied votes. All right. Uh, finally, this week, uh, just to put a little bow on things, I, I just came off the set of Iowa Press on e- Iowa PBS, 
uh, where this weekend's guests were Iowa's attorney general candidates, Democratic incumbent Tom Miller and Republican challenger Brenna Byrd. Um, it was not technically a debate. Uh, it was a normal Iowa press show with just the guests at the table there with us. But it was, you know, it kind of quote unquote a debate or a de facto debate. It, it's certainly as close as we'll probably get to one in, in the AG's race, certainly with uh, a viewership uh, of that size that that program typically gets. Um, I watched for my story this weekend. I thought I'd just offer a few quick thoughts. It was interesting, you know, Brenna Bird. Uh, talked about the things she's talked about on the campaign trail, uh, wanting to to be a, a firewall against the Joe Biden administration here at the state level and wanting to be able to sue the federal administration. Um, um, and Tom Miller talking about wanting to continue his work on uh, opioids and uh, those settlements um, um, and, and consumer protection issues uh, for Iowans. Um, but there were some interesting kind of discussions and back and forth and, and responses um, as we talked about um, um, election results, for one thing, um, and also about uh, the, the deal that Attorney General Miller stuck with Governor Reynolds about those federal lawsuits. Um, he basically did that. And what the handshake agreement is, is he now has to get permission from Governor Reynolds to join these federal lawsuits. So obviously when there was a Republican administration, she put the kibosh on most of those. Um, and he talked a little bit about that and why he felt he had to do that, whether he felt it as hamstrung as agency. Um, uh, but then Brenda Bird turned around and coming flat out saying she will not adhere to any such agreement, uh, um, uh, which was interesting. And then there was an interesting discussion that followed there. So um, I definitely encourage you, like I said, uh, it's one of those down ticket races, but it's a big one. It's an important one. Um, so uh, I think there was a lot of good info in that Iowa press show. So check it out if you get time this weekend, um, um, Friday night or Sunday at noon or anytime online. Um, and then, like I said, I'll have a story later today that will go up about it as well. And that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. Although before we sign all the way off, I, I feel like I should note to circle all the way back to our intro that Todd Dorman, who couldn't make it today, is a Hawkeye fan. Uh, so that makes it three to one on our roster. Sorry, Tom. Um, but also, you know, the way that Iowa game went last week, maybe three to one will be the final score of the Iowa I was thinking. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed the podcast, tell your friends and subscribe to us on any number of streaming audio services, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. If you have any topics to suggest, you just want to reach out and send an email to podcasts at thegazette.com. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, You'll get all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that on Iowa politics newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City, Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs, Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Please give us all the clicks. Kelly Party Cooper will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the show, please send us a sound file. For Tom, Caleb, Sarah, Jared, and our producer, Stephen, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thank you for listening. Let my country home, I'll 
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.